Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to bring each other into our interests by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today's episode is a sports episode. Yet again, they always come around. Pretty regularly, anyways, every Tuesday. Well, let's just get into it so we can be done with it. Boy, you seem to have sports growing on you very much. Yes, this is working very well, yeah. obviously. I'm, I'm seeing the willingness of me accepting books and your very, very poor try at sports. <laughs> you know, hockey's almost done for the season, so I'm like, I really don't care about the rest of this. Yeah. But let's start with hockey. We actually have a COVID update for the week, and it feels like it's been a while since we've talked about COVID and hockey. Yeah, they've been doing pretty well at keeping it at bay, to say the least. Up until Dominic Ducharme tested positive for COVID, and he missed coaching the Canadians game against the Knights in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup semifinal on Friday, June 18th. The game was coached instead by Luke Richardson, and apparently Ducharme is currently in a quarantine. They have no timeline for his return. I would imagine it will roughly be about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, probably. Or until two negative tests. Right. Whichever comes first. And then in player health, I only have one thing. I don't know if you have more than I do, but Jordan Martinuk, Martinuk of the Carolina Hurricanes had meniscus debridement surgery on his right knee on Wednesday, June 16th. He is expected to be ready for the start of the next season. I didn't have any injuries, actually, so I didn't even know that he was having the surgery, so I'm sorry to hear that he's having to deal with that. It was just to clean up a bunch of tears in the meniscus, so he's fine. That's good. I'm assuming he's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, clean-up surgery usually isn't nearly as bad as, like, we're going to cut everything open, so... Hopefully that is not the level that your (laughs) surgeon is going in at. Just, those vibes are not what you want. Right. Currently, we are in the semifinal round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. As of when we're recording, the Canadians are leading the Knights 2-1 to in that series. But they are playing tonight as of our recording time. So, who knows? Could be 2-2, could be 3-1. Hopefully not. I do not want the Canadians to move on to the next round. Well... It's kind of sad. So I, I watched the highlights from the last game where Fleury gave the game tying goal, as it turned out to be, at the end of the third period. And he basically scored on himself. So, like, this week's been the week of own goals, not only in soccer, but also in hockey, it seems. So it's like, oof. Like. Yeah. He'll beat himself up about that till next season, I promise. That's just who he is. He said in the press conference afterwards that he just laughed at himself for being so pathetic over his exact words. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, it was an accident, man. I'm sure you didn't mean to score on yourself. Right. He's always been very self-deprecating. Yeah. And on the other side of the bracket, it's currently tied up. The New York Islanders are two. Tampa Bay Lightning are also two. So at least two more games ahead of us in that round. And we watched the Islanders game last night a little bit. and I really thought they were going to blow it in the third period. It was not pretty. Well, literally, it was just like wheels off. (laughs) <laughs> the very end of the third for the Lightning, they literally were having scoring opportunity after scoring opportunity, and you're well, just like, oh The my defensemen God. weren't doing their job. The Islanders' defensemen fell asleep at the wheel during the second intermission or something. I don't know what happened. Yeah. It just all fell apart. It was a whole other game in the third period than it was literally the rest of that entire game. Like The first two periods were just Islanders pretty much controlling the puck, doing yeah. what they wanted, and then all of a sudden the Lightning were like, we are the defending champions. Right, right. And it came down to literally the last second. If, and we talked crap about the defenseman, but the defenseman literally saved the goalie's horrible mistake. In the last five seconds of the game, he just put it all out in front of the net because for some reason the goalie was that far out of the paint. Well, And he got literally just juked out of his skates. Let's just call it what it is. The goalie overcommitted and just got outplayed. There was like a goalie length of space between the actual goalie and the actual goal. So you could have fit another person there, which is what they had to do to To keep them from scoring. From going to overtime, yeah. It was ridiculous. The momentum was definitely on Tampa Bay's side towards the end, and had it gone to overtime, Tampa Bay probably would have won. Right, I'm glad it didn't. So an amazing save. Because Tampa Bay is not who I want to make it into the finals. No. 
if it's going to be the two teams that I really want to make it to the final, they're going to have to start doing something, like yeah. getting some momentum. Well, and you can't, you can't sleep on the Lightning. Like, you, you could be up three goals to zero, and there's every chance that the Lightning in the third period are going to show up and just take you Win out. Win it, yeah. Yeah. They have far too much talent to ignore. Well, I feel like Vegas was the team to win it or give it over to the Canadians for this next round. And, like, they're just letting the Canadians do what they want, and I don't understand it. I think they went in maybe a little too cocky, thinking, you know, we always do really well in the playoffs, and then There's the Canadians are like, oh, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. Because they're from French Canada. Apologize on my wife's uh, behalf for that <laughs> awful joke. But seriously, though, the Canadians, I, I don't think you can take everything away from them. I think every single player is clicking at the right time. Carey Price is uh, the goalie god right now. Like, he literally is standing on his head every night to keep the Canadians in it. He turns it on in the playoffs, and it's like, could you not? We would appreciate it if you don't. But, like, in seriousness, like, I showed you that meme last week of, like, derpy Spongebob being Carey Price during the normal regular season, and then you have Muscle Bob as the, the, yeah. the freaking playoff Carey Price. It's just, it's night and day. They literally are two different goalies. Um, obviously, they still are. He was good during the regular season. He got them to the playoffs, but, like, still, it's it's just weird. Did he get them to the playoffs, or did the team get him to the playoffs? That's the better question. Or did the division get him to the playoffs? Because let's just be honest. Well, it's also a smaller division. It had, what, seven teams instead of eight? Correct. So you were more likely to make it into the playoffs as a Canadian team. But staying in the north, the home of the Winnipeg Jets is set to be renamed Canada Life Center on July 1st as a part of a 10-year sponsorship agreement with Canada Life and True North Sports and Entertainment. The arena has been known as Bell MTS Place since 2017, and the Jets have played at the arena since they relocated from the Atlanta Thrashers for the 2011-2012 season. It seems like it's so much further back than that. Right. Yeah. I feel like they've been there forever, but what do I know? Right. Because I first started watching hockey in 2007. That right. was my graduating year. That's when I started watching hockey. And I feel like they've been there the whole time, but apparently not. No, not at all. You have to remember you had like the golden era of the Atlanta Thrashers where like they only existed for a very few seasons, but they were so good. During yeah. that time, and then they're like, okay, we're And then we're they moving. became the Winnipeg Jets and just don't do well at anything. Well, at the time, the teams that were in the South really weren't getting that kind of, like, support that they are now. So, like, the yeah. Predators, the Hurricanes, there we go into, like, even Tampa Bay really didn't have that many supporters when they first started out. So, yeah. I'm not shocked. Well, it's really a northern sport, well, so I can truly, understand that. Yeah. I think it's weird to rename arenas, and I I know places do this. It just it feels weird because it's like, no, you're supposed to be like the one specific thing. It's not so weird. I will tell you that as somebody who grew up in San Diego and watched their stadium's names change as many times as, you know, there were years growing up, more or less, it's always been the one original name for me, like after the person that builds it, Jack Murphy. Right. So it will always be the Murph. It will never be anything else. So it just depends on when you started. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because like I, I remember there being sports fans that were in like my elementary like school Sunday school classes and stuff like that. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to Qualcomm Stadium." I'm like, "No, you're not. You're going to the Murph." <laughs> but staying up in the north yet again. Jason Spezza has signed a one-year $750,000 contract with the Toronto Maple Leaves. This is his third year in a row that Spezza has signed for the league minimum to play for Toronto. He was set to become an unrestricted free agent on July 28th. Yeah, his argument more or less, like I understand it. Firstly, he's was one of their best players in the playoffs this year, which is kind of crazy that they're going to give him a minimum contract. Right. But at the same time, his argument is, I want the team to be able to get the players that we need to win, and I would rather be a part of a winning team. And you hear a lot of hockey players say that, but right. never stand by it. Right. Like, you know, Brandon Saad, when he left, his agent and him were both like, we want to get a deal that's fair for the Blackhawks so that we can continue to contend. And it's like, okay, but then you ask for like $5 million more million a year. So it's right. like, is it really the same? Like, no. It's one of those situations where you hear it a lot. But it's good to see it finally happen. 
I think it's weird that he wants to be with a winning team and chooses to stay in Toronto. In fairness, they did win the North. It's just... Okay, you won one thing. That's not the winning that they talk about when they say they want to be <laughs> with a winning team. I know. But the thing is, you got to look at Toronto. If they would have not had the goalie situations where they were rotating in like three or four goalies through the regular season and then losing the two guys that they're like, these are our guys, right as the playoffs were about to begin, I think that put them in a little bit of a situation. But they just didn't click either. Like, they... They played so well during the regular season, and they looked like they were just meshing, and it was like, I wouldn't want to play in the North. Toronto is just steamrolling everyone, and then just they fell apart the second they got in the playoffs. It's like they forgot how hockey was played. When was the last time Toronto won a Stanley Cup? A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, so in reality, I think saying something like that is just to appease the fans. I I wouldn't even say that to appease the fans, though. Like Honestly, I think this was... Probably one of the better teams in like the last decade. They just didn't put it together in the playoffs. So it's just, it's sad that they felt like they finally had all the pieces in place. And then they were just like, all right, we're going to belly flop right now in front of everybody. And that's what they did. I believe 67 was their last cup win. You believe or you looked up? <laughs> I looked it up on Google. Because that's what it's there for. It was a little before you and I were on the earth. So it's fair to say that we wouldn't know. No. But moving away from trashing other teams... Gerard Gallant was named coach of the New York Rangers on Wednesday. He replaces David Quinn, who was fired on May 12th after the Rangers finished fifth in the eight-team East Division and failed to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, After the clean sweep of coaching staff, there has to be new people appointed. So Gallant was the head coach for basically when Las Vegas came into the league, so the Golden Knights. So he... Obviously, knows what he's doing a little bit on the coaching side of things. So it, it kind of makes sense. He's probably the, the best option that was kind of in the market, really, other than, like, guys that have been failing miserably that normally win a lot of games. So it makes sense. Yeah, he was coach for the Vegas Golden Knights for their inaugural season in 2017-2018 season. And speaking of coaches, Rod Brindamore has agreed to a three-year contract to remain coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. He was named the Hurricanes coach on May 8th of 2018 and replaced Bill Peters. His record for the three seasons with the Hurricanes is 120, 66, and 20. So pretty good. Uh, He's probably been one of the best things other than the players they've been adding in Carolina to happen to Carolina in a long time. And if you've ever seen him, the dude is just muscle on muscle on muscle. He could probably step right into the NHL right now if you had to make him play. So it's pretty funny. How bad would it have to be if you... You put your head coach in? Well, I'm just thinking you'd have to be so depleted of players in the NHL and AHL to be like, yeah, just stick the coach in there for some reason. Yeah. Well, especially now that like this season and last season, they had those taxi squads towards the end of them. So it's like you have expendable players. Like, why are you contemplating this idea? But like during the regular season, maybe you don't have time to fly somebody out and somebody gets injured in warm-ups or something and be like, there you are. I feel like this is becoming the writer's room in Hollywood for some reason, coming up with ridiculous plot lines. Yeah. This week as well, we had Dallas Stars' Stephen Johns announce his retirement from the NHL after missing this season with post-concussion syndrome. Eesh. He missed half of last season, the season before that completely, and then this entire season, this season. So in the last three years of his contract, he's played half a year. I think his body decided to retire for him. Yeah. Basically, he's having, like, spikes of headaches as he's warming up for games. So, like, they just keep scratching him over and over and over during, like, the morning skates because he's just not healthy enough, have recovered from the concussions that he's been experiencing. So... It kind of makes sense. At a certain point, you have to take care of yourself. The crazy thing is he's only 29 years old, so it's just, like, it's pretty young to be bowing out. But at the same time, dude, if you're having headaches every time you skate hard, probably not the sport for you to be in. We did get to watch a little bit of him two seasons ago here in Dallas, and he's a hell of a hockey player. Like, I would not want to have to face him, but at the same time, it's like, you can't keep beating yourself up. At the age of 29, I'm like, shoot, it just... In my 30s, I feel it already in my body. I couldn't fathom being an athlete at 29. So Mm -hmm. kudos to him for making it, I guess, in that instance and playing as long as he did. But it's also awards season in the NHL. And they have started to announce the winners for all of the awards. 
not all of them have been handed out yet, but there are a significant number of them, so we'll try to run through it pretty quickly. Pekka Rene of the Nashville Predators has won the Keen Clancy Trophy, which is awarded annually to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in their community. The goalie has been committed to Hockey Fights Cancer, which is a joint initiative of the NHL and NHL Players Association. He and former Nashville captain Shea Weber spearheaded the 365 Pediatric Cancer Fund, which raises money and awareness for cancer research. As of this moment, the fund has raised more than $3 million since being established in 2012-2013. And this next one is trying to make everyone cry. Oscar Lindblom of the Philadelphia Flyers won the Masterton Trophy, which is awarded annually to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Lindblom was diagnosed with E-wing sarcoma, which is a rare form of bone cancer, on December 10th, 2019. In July 2020, he rang a ceremonial bell at Abramson Cancer Center at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, to signify the end of his cancer treatments. And just two months later, he returned and played two games in the Stanley Cup playoffs against the New York Islanders, which just makes everyone want to cry. Yeah, he not only did all that season this year, was probably one of the top flight guys for the Flyers in a rough season to be a part of the Flyers. So I feel like it's always rough to be a Flyer. I would say more so this year than, than previous, but yeah. And then Kevin Hodgson won the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, which is the award that recognizes people who have made a positive impact on his or her community, culture, or society through the sport of hockey. He is the executive director of HEROES, which stands for Hockey Education Reaching Out Society, which empowers at-risk youth and Also, Superheroes, which provides boys and girls living with physical and cognitive challenges with a safe and inclusive environment, as well as an adapted on-ice curriculum. Yeah, it's kind of who I was rooting for on the three. Like, don't get me wrong, they were all really amazing people. Right. So it's it's hard to really sit down and pick, but, like, the stuff that he's doing is pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. And then we had a tie, which I don't appreciate. But Sidney Crosby tied with Patrice Bergeron in voting for the most complete player in the NHL, according to the NHL Players Association poll that surveyed almost 500 players. Both players received 23.78% of the vote. So almost half between the two of them. I don't appreciate it being a tie, but at least he didn't lose. Was there actually like a trophy or award involved or just a title? It just said the most complete player. Okay. According to the Players Association poll that they did. That's cool, though. The, the players obviously have an important perspective on everything. Right. So it's definitely different than the National like Hockey Writers Association, which is who usually decides most of the awards. So. They did decide on the Selkie Trophy. So Alexander Barkov won the Selkie Trophy, which is presented annually to the forward voted best to excel in the defensive aspects of the game in the NHL as voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. I mean, I guess you kind of know because you write about hockey, which means you have to know a lot about hockey, but at the same time, you don't play hockey. Yeah, but that's who gives out a majority of the awards. So like everything that you're seeing usually comes from that group of writers. It's kind of the same thing with a lot of the MLB awards. It's always done by somebody else. And then, like, the AP, the Associated Press, comes up with the polls, ratings for, like, college sports. So it's never, it's never like, people that are actually playing the game. So I think that's what's cool about Crosby's thing more so than anything. Well, he shared it with Patrice. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Patrice Bergeron. Yes. Words are hard. Names are hard today, and that's fine. (laughs) And then the coach who just got... A signed contract this week, Ron Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes also won the Jack Adams Award of NHL Coach of the Year as voted by members of the NHL Broadcasters Association. Yeah. So, I mean, he probably was able to negotiate more money because he's like, look how good I am. I just won an award. It was, what's funny is the contract talks were literally announced that he was signing the extension the same day the award was given. Oh, yeah. So it was probably wrapped up before the award was given to him. Dang it. But, um, 
yeah, I, I feel like maybe that was done on purpose on Carolina's part. <laughs> Be like, you, if he you wins, already we signed have to it. Give we, him more money. Yeah, it's like we had him sign it the day before, and we're gonna announce it the day that he wins the award because they probably already knew. And the last award, the last official award, I should say, that was given out this week as of our recording. Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes won the Lady Bing Trophy, which is awarded annually to the NHL player voted to best combine sportsmanship, gentlemanly conduct, and ability. Slavin led the Hurricanes this season with 22.59 TOI, time on ice, and was assessed one minor penalty in 52 games. It was the fewest penalty minutes among NHL skaters who averaged at least 20 minutes per game with a minimum of 10 games for the season. The crazier statistic didn't top of all those crazy statistics is the fact that he's only the fourth defenseman in the history of the NHL to win this trophy. I feel like if you're a defenseman, you just count yourself out for this one. Because usually you're taking penalties because of big hits, trips, all sorts of things like that. So the fact that he had those kinds of crazy statistics. But it does make me wonder, like, is he not putting out as much effort as the other defensemen? Or is it just a matter of, like, his gameplay is, like... Clean. More gentlemanly yeah. or whatever. It's a cleaner game. He's not trying to penalize people. He's just making big hits that are legal. So, you know, being somebody that watched a lot of Carolina games this year, I can tell you he was definitely not just sitting on the sideline like, after you, sir, <laughs> you know, or something along no, those lines. No, go right ahead. Yes, yes, this is fine. You can enter the zone now. That's it's, okay. It's just fine. It's your turn. We're calling number three, number three <laughs> to enter the zone. You're such a dork. Yeah. But... There were also the Fan Choice Awards that have happened. I didn't list all of them because there's a decent number. God, because I did not write about a single Fan Choice Award. But I have a couple. There is a full list on the NHL website if you want to know who won all of the awards. I just brought up the ones that I thought were pertinent to us or our interests. So for Save of the Year, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. For Most Innovative Workout, it's Jared McCann. For his squatting a cow. Yes, the workout. baby cow. That was adorable. There are videos of this. Find it. It will make you happy. Right. For goal of the year, it's Matthew Barzal. It's goal of the year. Whatever. For best goalie mask, Carrie Price takes this one. He has a decent mask. I don't know if I think it's that great, but. He's always got really good artists at the helm ready to make his helmet. So, like. Did Jari ever win that? Because I feel like he should have. Because he had a Tom and Jerry theme one year. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. You mean but a it's Tom not and like Jari f- theme? Right. Yeah. But it's not like fierce. So I understand that most hockey fans want something that's like big, bad, scary on goalie helmets. I like the one that uh, Crawford had a couple years ago where it was like a throwback to the U.S. Navy on the Navy's birthday. Oh, was it? Oh, so cool. It had like battleships like coming out of the fog and stuff. Like it was just really, really neat. So I don't know. There's been some interesting ones over the years. That's for sure. There was the Hamburglar on one one year, if you remember that. That yeah. was hilarious. I liked that one. I guess I just, I just like funny ones. Yeah. And so like... All this serious, like, supposedly scary mask. I'm like, who are you trying to intimidate? Because I'm not scared. Right. But then the last two are the ones I think are most interesting out of all the fan awards. For best dog, it's Alex Touch. T-U-C-H? Tuck, maybe? There you go. And for best cat, it's Nick Suzuki. Who's currently playing. Well, not currently playing, obviously, but, like, tonight we'll be playing for the Canadians. I just don't know how a cat can wear skates. Yeah, best skating cat. Yes. Yeah, but you're okay with puppies wearing skates. I bet he looks cute. Yeah. I just know how cats act. I don't know that they would tolerate you putting skates on them. Or putting them on anything that's remotely water. Yes. (laughs) And I don't have a lot of news for the NFL, but there was a big thing that happened relating to COVID this week. So for the NFL, they and the NFL Players Association have agreed to updated COVID protocols for training camp and the preseason. I assume they're also going to update the regular season stuff closer to when that starts. But for the players who are fully vaccinated, there will be no daily testing, whereas those who are not fully vaccinated, they must be tested every day. Just like they were last season, so it's not shouldn't be that big of a shock. No, it's just vaccinated players don't have to be. Yeah. 
similar rules for face coverings with none required if you're fully vaccinated and mandated at the club facility and team travel if not. For unvaccinated players, social distancing and quarantine after high-risk exposure are required, not so for vaccinated players. Vaccinated players will also not be forced into travel restrictions the way that unvaccinated players are, but the full memo on the updated COVID protocols can be found on the NFL's website. Those are just like the things that stuck out to me when I was reading it. So a lot of players have come out and stated that the NFLPA does not care about the players because basically the situation they're realizing is they're not immune to COVID because they're vaccinated. So who's to say that these guys don't go out to a bar or restaurant when they're allowed to based on the NFL's rules, come back to the team facilities during a game and like, hey, I'm shoulder to shoulder with that idiot. Right. And then I get sick because I'm not completely vaccinated yet. Like, I think they're trying to give some sort of incentive for the guys to get vaccinated. And the only way they know how to do that is to loosen some restrictions. Or they just don't fully understand that you can get COVID when you have the vaccine. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty regular issue that just generally people don't understand as a whole. Like, the vaccine is not immunization. It's a different type of shot. Like, those are different things. Well, basically, if you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID, but it won't be as bad as if you were unvaccinated. It wouldn't be as fatal or damaging long term, right? And so I think they should still be adhering to these restrictions, especially considering how many people they interact with right. on a daily basis, just at work, like if you just want to talk about situations where they're doing their job. Like literally, if, if you're an NFL player in the city that you live in, even outside of the city you live in, because fans travel with the teams to watch games, you've got to imagine going to like a restaurant, you're going to have at least three or four people that walk up to you and be like, you're so-and-so. And I have your picture, and it's like, you don't know where these people have been. In the time of COVID, I have to say, if you're a fan of someone, leave them alone. Because, (laughs) like, they don't need your germs. You don't need their germs. Right. Leave them alone. Right. And it's just, it's kind of crazy to me. It's just, I get where the players that aren't 100% vaccinated are coming from. Like, hey, we're working on it, but don't screw us, too, because you're already done. And you're like, I'm going to go out and party now. You know, they're going to hit clubs and things like that. And just... It's not over 100% yet. Like, once your entire team is 100% vaccinated, maybe then loosen the rules, you know? Like, cool, the people that could get it aren't going to be likely to die from it now. But, like, I don't know. I I feel like the issue is it's giving too much freedom and too little freedom at the same time. So it's just, like, this. it's it's not going to work. Right. We'll see what happens when they start doing all the things. Time will tell. Truly, yeah. In other football news, the Miami Dolphins and Jerome Baker have agreed to a three-year, $39 million contract extension. The extension includes $28.4 million guaranteed, which is way too much guaranteed money. He was their number one linebacker last season. Uh, Everybody expected him to get a contract extension this offseason, so I would say I'm shocked, but I'm not. So it's good to see that he's getting paid for what you know, he deserves based on the level of play that he brought to that team last season. That's just a ridiculous amount of guaranteed money. That's almost all the money. It's true, but he has to play for three years now, so. And then the last bit of NFL news I have is another signing. So free agent Sheldon Richardson has been signed by the Vikings to a one-year deal for $3.6 million, which can be upped to $4.35 million after incentives. Yeah, he's definitely one of the better players that was available at defensive tackle. He has played for the Vikings before, so it's like not a hard decision for him to like go back to somewhere he's been before. Right. He understands the system, so it should be a pretty easy move for him. So and at you know, three point six million, what what do you got to lose, right? Well, if it's hockey, a lot of money. If yeah. it's not hockey, not that much. Yeah. He was released from Cleveland in April in order to save cap space, so it looks like they didn't necessarily have a problem with him. It's just like, we need money. We're going to catch you. The Raiders also signed two players this week. Sadly, the money's amount was not available yet because it just happened yesterday. They signed linebacker Darren Lee and cornerback Devontae Bosby. I had to watch a video to figure out that last name because the spelling on it threw me off a little bit. But both players are like, 
key slot players. You can slot them in for wherever you need them. Darren Lee will definitely be a, like a starter, and you'll probably see Devontae kind of slid in as like a second string or like, hey, my main guy is a little tired on the play right now. Let's just switch him out really quick type situation. So pretty good pickups for the Raiders who are already pretty stacked in their secondary. So, you know, never bad to have some more options. But I guess that was all the NFL news, which is not a lot, for which I am thankful. Yeah, they're obviously we're still in the off season at camp, so you could talk about a lot of the players like not showing up, but that's really all there really is going on. And we all know that's not news. So for the MLB, they have also updated COVID protocols, but it is only for vaccinated tiers one and two personnel, which includes players, coaches, people like that. Most notably, fully vaccinated individuals will no longer be tested for COVID unless they have symptoms of or have been exposed to the virus. But this is also being called into question because without regular testing of asymptomatic vaccinated individuals, the MLB is leaving open the possibility of players who have post-vaccine infections remaining in clubhouses and on the field. Correct. The league relaxed various on-field protocols for vaccinated individuals as well. Fully vaccinated individuals are now exempt from wearing masks in dugouts and bullpens. Unvaccinated or partially vaccinated players are still required to wear masks unless their team reaches the 85% vaccination threshold to reduce restrictions team-wide. Why don't we just wait to get that extra 15% all the way up to 100 there's still a lot of people that don't want to get vaccinations. And uh, don't get me wrong, they're not the brightest people in the world, but they do have a right to do that. So Here's the thing. You're allowed to be stupid up until it impacts me. And then you're not allowed to be stupid. Are you an MLB player? Are I'm you part speaking of, as if I were. Are you a coaching staff member of an MLB team? I'm speaking as if I were. Got it. So if I was someone in the dugout, you better be wearing your mask. I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. You better be getting vaccinated or I'm going to hit you with a bat. And that's why I'm not allowed in the dugouts anymore. When have you been allowed in the dugouts? Never, but I'm especially not allowed now. Yeah. But in other controversial news in the MLB, pitchers will be ejected and suspended for 10 games for using illegal foreign substances to doctor balls. This is in result of a crackdown that the MLB will start on Monday, June 21st, so the day before this episode goes live. The commissioner's office said that major and minor league umpires will start doing regular checks of all pitchers, even if opposing managers don't request inspections. And repeat offenders will receive progressive discipline, and teams and club employees will be subject to discipline for failure to comply. So what's weird about this is the guy that currently is in charge of umpiring for the major leagues was a big supporter of using this stuff when he was a general manager for well for the Marlins. So this surprises exactly no one. The hypocrisy of it, I think, is what's angering most of the pitchers. It's like you, you of all people, is forcing this to exist. Like you used to support it more than any GM well, in the league. Like, but there's a lot of pressure. I feel like for him to support it right so i feel like he kind of has to at this point like here's the other issue i have with it from the side of not the pitchers i guess i never had a problem gripping a baseball in my entire life and like if you have issues with it your hands are getting too sweaty there's this really cool sandbag at the back side of the mound you just go and grab it just like a gymnast would to grip better grip and to dry out your hands and it works pretty darn well now don't get me wrong it can cause the ball to slide a little bit because it is you know, your hands are kind of sandy, but still, they're dry, so it's easier to grip the ball. If anything, dry them out, do like a little of those little quick moves, and you should be good to go at that point. But I don't know. It's I see both sides of the argument, I guess, and so it's hard for me to really be like, I want to fight for this side of the argument as a whole. Like, it's just kind of meh. The thing is, there's always been a rule against it, so I think that's part of the reason people are having problems with it, because, like, you didn't enforce it before. Yeah. But I think they're also struggling with the fact that there are so many no-hitters happening, and I feel like that's causing them to want a better opportunity for the people at bat, maybe. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. I love watching people hit home runs, batters. But at the same time, seeing a no-hitter is way cooler to me. And I know it's like, 
oh, it's boring because nothing else is happening. It's like, no, this pitcher is having an outing of their life. But it is less rare nowadays, it seems. Well, this last couple of years, yeah, it's definitely amped up a little bit. Also this week, the Arizona Diamondbacks became the first team in the modern era of baseball to lose 23 straight road games with their loss to the San Francisco Giants. Just to clarify when the modern era was, it was about 1905 on. So uh, it's it's been a while. They are now the losingest road team in a row in the history of baseball, basically, which is pretty awful. Losingest does not sound like a word, but that's what they're. Yep. Also, we had a few injuries this week. Astros third baseman Lance Bregman will be out for an unknown amount of time with a quad strain. They're doing imaging today to figure out what the severity of it is so that they can give dates and times, but he's going to be out for a while now. Also, Chris Bryant exited with a bruised hand after being hit by a pitch while playing the Mets. He originally came back into the game that game, played out the remainder of it, and then was like, wow, this still hurts a lot. Maybe I should get this looked at. And then Max Scherzer has been placed on the 10-day IL for groin inflammation. Okay. Yeah. That's a little weird. It's kind of a weird injury for a pitcher, but at the same time, um, I feel like that would really suck. I don't want to know how this happened. They didn't describe how it did, so it's probably for the better. We also had a signing, or not a signing, a trade. First baseman Mike Ford was traded by the New York Yankees to the Tampa Bay Rays on Thursday for $100,000 and a player that is yet to be named, which is a thing I guess you can do now or could always do. I was going to say, you can always do in baseball. (laughs) The money in the trade is payable July 1st. Give me your money now. I don't like the whole player to be named thing. I think that's weird. Yeah, it's kind of strange. So usually there's more to it than that, and you and I and the rest of the world don't get to see it. It's like it can't be this number or higher prospect from our organization, like that kind of crap. So it varies. It sounds dumb. Yeah. And the Blue Jays acquired Jacob Barnes from the Mets in exchange for minor league right-hander Troy Miller. And I feel like if you're Jacob Barnes, that kind of stings. I don't you're, know. But, you're only worth a minor leaguer. But the Blue Jays aren't really playing that bad right now, so maybe it, it, it is okay. Like, you I think you're going to be on a better team? They're on a four-game skid right now, but they are one of the better teams this season so far. So you think his value would go up over time, considering he'll be playing for a better team, supposedly? I think so. But we also have another league currently in the playoffs. Yes, we do. The NBA. And they're kind of in split rounds. Because not everyone's moved on. Yeah, the West starts their finals tonight. But also in the East tonight, you also have the semifinals for the conference? Correct. Okay. So the Philadelphia 76ers are currently tied with the Atlanta Hawks 3-3. to Final game tonight will decide who is going to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the conference finals. In the West, their conference finals start tonight, and it's going to be the L.A. Clippers versus the Phoenix Suns. There's two big names out, one for each team. So Kawhi Leonard is unknown whether he'll come back necessarily in time for that due to a, I believe it was a right knee injury. Yes, right knee sprain um, that he suffered during game four of the previous series against the Utah Jazz. He'll be out there, and then you have Chris Paul, who will also be out for the Suns due to covid restrictions and protocols okay. haven't heard one of those in a little while yeah it, it was the only COVID news I had but he's at least out for game one I guess he's already had one negative test but he's not allowed to take another one for another day or two I guess right so still waiting for that I guess but even though the Nets did lose to the Bucks in game seven Kevin Durant set a game seven scoring record for the NBA by scoring 48 points in the game Kind of a bummer that you set a record and you can't even win the game with it. It's kind of a sad in that instance, so it just seems like the rest of the team didn't really step it up to go along with him. Or he should have done more. I don't know that he really could have. <laughs> I've seen Durant put up more points than 48, but that's a lot. So, But this week it was announced that LeBron James has officially changed his jersey number to number 6. He will return to the number he wore during his four seasons with the Miami Heat from 2011 to 2014. He also wore the number during his three Olympic appearances. Prior to this change, he had worn the number 23 for all 14 of his NBA seasons outside of Miami. 
Yeah, as well, too, part of it is a publicity stunt for the movie that he's doing. Just because... He's he, doing a movie? Yeah, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Give me one second. He's in Space Jam? Yes. Yeah, he's in Space Jam, too. So... Gross. Could we not afford Michael Jordan? But that's the number that he is wearing in that movie, hence another reason why he's changing back to six. Is he getting paid to do that, you think? I'm sure he is. Is it Disney that's doing that movie? Uh, Disney has lots of money. They could bribe someone into changing their number. Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine it's just whoever it is that's creating it. But other than that, we had a pretty major trade this week. The Celtics traded uh, Kemba Walker to the Thunder. The Celtics will receive Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick. The Thunder will receive Kemba Walker, the 16th pick in the 2021 draft, and a 25 second round pick. So they're going to probably get a pretty good player out of the draft this year. It's a pretty heavy draft year. And Kemba Walker is not so bad. It's just he's carrying a large contract and the Celtics can't afford the cap hit. So got to move the money around. I guess in Oklahoma City they had some money sitting. But it's also firing season for the NBA as they move forward with the playoffs. I have literally a whole section about the Mavericks situation, so it'll be fun. Yeah. But first, the Pelicans have parted ways with coach Stan Van Gundy after just one season with the franchise. The club described Van Gundy's departure as a mutual agreement to part ways. It came out later this week, though, that Zion Williamson has been not liking his coaching style, so... There's a possibility that that may have had something to do with the That's decision so to part ways. That's so effing stupid. Um, but it's like Stan Van Gundy's one of the most winningest coaches in NBA history. So it's like maybe not ignore what that guy's got to say. You know, he knows how to win games. I'm sorry, you're a player. You don't get to decide coaching staff, in my opinion. It's happening, maybe he does. It's happening more and more often, sadly. But Van Gundy was hired last October, about two months prior to the start of a delayed season, and he coached the team to a 31-41 record, probably part of the reason for him being fired. The team finished in 11th place, which was two games out of the final Western Conference play-in spot. But the Washington Wizards have also parted ways with their coach, The team has decided to move on from coach Scott Brooks after the two sides were unable to come to an agreement on a contract extension. So this might just be about money. Yeah, he was with him for five seasons, which is pretty long in the world of NBA coaching if you're not, like, winning games, so... Well, he joined the franchise in 2016 and posted a record of 183-207 over the course of the five seasons. So it's a losing record, but it's not like it's a super... Losing record? Like, it's not extreme. The issue is the Wizards over the last couple years really have done nothing to try to improve their roster, and then they did this season, and they won a lot of games. You know, when you give a coach good players, it's amazing what a good coach can do with good players. You win stuff. They ended up in the play-in spots for the playoffs for the first time in a long time in that franchise's history, so uh, I don't know that you really should have not negotiated with this guy to maybe get a better contract, but still... Well, while he was there, the team only made it to the postseason three times. So you would hope for at least five. Yes and no. Well, I'll just leave it at that because otherwise (laughs) I'll go long-winded on you. And in the Dallas Mavericks situation, they lost their GM and coach this past week. So the Dallas Mavericks GM, Donnie Nelson, is leaving the organization after 24 seasons. And also, Rick Carlisle stepped down as coach of the Dallas Mavericks on Thursday, June 17th. Carlisle spent 13 seasons in Dallas, leading the Mavericks to the 2011 NBA title. Yeah, both those guys have been pretty important to the world of basketball here in Dallas for a long time. Yeah. Um, It's definitely sad to see them go. I have a feeling that the Nelson thing was just a personal decision. It seemed like everything that I was reading... There was no grief between players and the GM at all. But the reality is that team needs to build around Luka, and they've tried by bringing in Porzingis, but that's really not done much. He's Porzingis has become a guy that's either there or he's not. It's just a matter of the night that he's playing, and that's not the quality of player you want to put around a guy that it can be a franchise key piece like Luka Doncic. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to see it happen, but 
at the same time, um, you know, Carlisle leaving is just as big of a hit. So they got double doinked in one week, less than three days apart from one another. So it's just it's tough, tough for them. But Mark Cuban's got enough money to throw at it, so I'm not too concerned. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Money does solve a lot of problems. At least when it comes to coaching staff and general managers, yes. Mm-hmm. And then this week as well, the Rookie of the Year Award was given out to LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets. It's pretty interesting way that they, they got it to him. So one of the other players, I guess, was doing like a postseason workout session with him and then brought him back into the locker room and it was just sitting there in his locker, the trophy. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's definitely an interesting way to, to get the award instead of it being like a actual official ceremony and all that stuff. Well, if I was getting it, that's how I would prefer it. Not to be in front of a press conference? Yep. Yeah. But I guess that means it's time to move on to the world of soccer. I know there's actually a decent amount of soccer news this week. With the Euros going on, there's definitely a lot going on. Yep. But first, for the MLS, Inter-Miami striker Gonzalo Higuan said he thought MLS would be easy enough for him to play that he could do it with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. The forward said that he has been surprised by the competitiveness of MLS, and he compared it to Italy's Serie A. Serie A? That's the one. His exact quote was, I thought I would come here and play with a cigarette in my mouth, and instead, it is difficult. He joined Inter Miami from Juventus in 2020. Yeah, the, the big thing for the MLS is there's a lot of young talent coming through the league that used to go through, like, smaller leagues in South America. So they're getting more television time than they would ever when they played in this, the tiny little leagues in South America. So, like, you got to think the scouts are going to be able to see a lot more games because they can literally just turn it on and watch it, you know, wherever they're at in the world. It's broadcast because it's a sport in the United States. So I, I kind of understand that situation like he's a little bit older player obviously these young guys are going to push pace on him right so like you can't just sit back and put your feet up and a cigarette in your mouth yeah it's a very italian thing to say Mm. (laughs) is that all the mls news you had for the week that is i just thought it was funny i thought you'd appreciate it yeah obviously we have the euros going on right now a lot of things still going on the most recent update on christian erickson is he's doing better i still don't know what caused him to go into cardiac arrest which is a little frightening that is. That's absolutely horrifying. But they continue to run tests on him. But he's in good spirits. He held a press conference this week. He seems like he's completely regathered himself from the situation. He was released from the hospital, right? Correct. So it seems to be going better. But they're, they're still running tests to try to figure out what the cause of it was. Because it's kind of an important thing to figure out why your heart just stopped. Yeah, a little bit. But we'll talk about the favorite thing for you. Wife picks winners. It has not gone as well as it did the first couple days. Yeah, it's it's been a rougher road for you on the back half so <laughs> far. You're 14 and 9 overall, though, so it's not so bad. Right. Like, it could be worse. Today's picks that you have out actively are going to be Italy over Wales and Switzerland over Turkey. Both those games are going on right now. We're about like 40 minutes into each of them, so we're about to be at halftime. How am I doing as of where we are right this second? Um, well, the Italy game is still nil-nil, so, so that one's not that... going so well. But let's pull up the turkey score really quick. I like how I didn't pick turkey, and you're like, the turkey game. Yeah. Uh, currently, Switzerland is winning 2-0, to zero, so you're yes. right so far on that one. Go me of the past. Yes. Good choices. Yeah. 16-9 and nine would be way better than 14-9. and nine. Yeah, it would start to bump you up to where you have almost double the wins that you have losses, so, yes. yeah. Um, but definitely don't try to get your lottery numbers from me anymore because I think the magic is draining. Yes. I will tell you, uh, we do have a hashtag that you can follow on Twitter for that. It's hashtag wife picks winners. So if you want to keep up with Liberty's ridiculous picks of the Euros. How long do the Euros go on? They're going to be going on till I believe, the 16th of July. So okay, so we have time. some time. Yeah. Uh, but so far, it's been a pretty wild ride in the Euros. Italy, um, honestly, they're probably in the easiest group. Wales and Switzerland are a team that are either there or they're not. It's kind of that situation. So those would be the two teams that are fighting for that second-place spot. Turkey is doing a really great job of losing all the games that they're playing, so they very well may just be 0-3 in the group, which would be a little bit of a bummer for them, I guess, in some instances. But as it sits right now in Group A, you have, currently you have Italy with 6 points, Wales with 4 points, and Switzerland with 1 point, and Turkey sitting at the bottom with 0 in Group B, this is honestly a little bit more of a flip-flop than I expected. I think it has a lot to do with Christian Eriksen not 
being with the team in Denmark and the stuff that happened to that team, like mentally, they're just they're shook. They're, right. You can clearly see when they play their games, it's not the Denmark that you expected to show up this year. You have Belgium leading the group with six points, Russia with three points, Finland with three points. So the games that are coming up this week could determine that group for the second place slot. It's pretty much wrapped up by Belgium. Belgium can actually draw and technically get through. It really doesn't make too much of a difference. And in good news for your picks, I do believe Italy just scored. So right now you're 2-0 for the day as it sits currently. Around the halftime mark. Correct. And then in Group C, another one that's kind of competitive, and then you have a donkey team towards the bottom like North Macedonia. You have the Netherlands having won both games six points in first. You have the Ukraine in second place with three points, and Austria in third place based on goal differential uh, with three points as well. Group D is very close. You have the Czech Republic with four points, England with four points, Croatia with one, and Scotland with one. This literally could go any direction with the last game at this point because... All we'll take would be goal differential switches, and realistically, every team could have four points. So if, for some reason, Scotland upset the Czech Republic, things could just go haywire. So pretty interesting craziness there. Then in Group E, you have Sweden leading with four points, Slovakia with three points, Spain with two points, and Poland with one. Again, another group that could go in any direction on the final match day for them. That's interesting and a little nerve-wracking as well. And then Group F, honestly one of the weirdest groups. I I thought that, I guess it makes a lot of sense because we have three really competitive teams in the group. You have Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary. But the crazy thing that happened this week was the tie with Hungary and France. Like, nobody expected that. I'll be firstly honest to tell you, after we lost to France, I was like, we have to win out and... Hungary needs to make a crazy upset, and Hungary made the crazy upset. It would have only been better if they'd won, but still it was impressive just to see them draw out with France. So that puts France currently in first place with four points, Germany with three, and Portugal with three points as well. Because Germany beat Portugal, we're technically sitting ahead of them in the group. So we'll end up seeing what all happens by next week. We should see the end of the group stages and hopefully we'll have the announcements for the first knockout rounds as well. So, but I think that pretty much wraps up the sports episode, unless you have something else hiding over there on your screen. Absolutely not. Fantastic. I don't know. I'm like, I like the euros, but at the same time, I feel like they go on forever. The world cup goes on forever further, but yes, yes, I understand. I feel like the world is a little bit bigger than Europe. Usually speaking. But either way, we appreciate you guys listening into the episode this week. Make sure you stay tuned to all of our social media. There will be more wife picks every day between now and the end of the Euros and other things to hopefully entertain you as well. And we'll catch you on Thursday for our book episode. Bye, guys. Bye.